Welcome back to History We'll Never Get To In Class. Over break, I've made some changes. First, our name. I don't allow you to use words like stuff or things in your writing, so I probably need to follow that rule as well. So, our podcast is History We'll Never Get To In Class. Second, uh, I changed the cover art because, well, it was AI-generated and it was not a five-star cover. Uh, So our cover art is new and improved. And third, our pod is on Instagram and Twitter, so you can give it a follow at NeverGetToPod. That's NeverGetToPod, all one word. And uh, maybe if I can get a student to teach me how to TikTok, I uh, I could be on there too. Just before winter break, we finished the Civil War. And when we come back from winter break, we're starting Reconstruction, how we put the country together again after four years of war. But one essential moment of history is left out of our class, a moment that impacted America forever. Less than a week after Lee surrendered to Grant, President Abraham Lincoln would be assassinated, changing how our country would move forward in a post-Civil War world. From Studio 210 and Journey Team Productions, This is history we'll never get to in class, the Lincoln assassination. Let's have a listen. The first two weeks of April of 1865 were insane. Richmond, the capital of the Confederacy, had finally, after four years, been taken by Union troops. Lee surrendered to Grant, ending the Civil War. Lincoln was making plans to bring the country back together. But when President Lincoln and his wife went to Ford's Theater on Friday, April 14th, John Wilkes Booth sent the future of the country in a whole new direction. Now, we know about Lincoln, but John Wilkes Booth is a new character for us, so let's talk about him. He was an actor. He was a a pretty famous actor of the time. He had performed all over the United States. Um, His father was an actor. He had brothers who were actors. He was considered to be incredibly handsome. Uh, He was born and raised in Maryland. But uh, remember, Maryland was a slave state that remained loyal to the Union, um, which caused him some some real conflict, it seems. he was only 26 at this time, and it's it's interesting that I've always thought of John Wilkes Booth as being a heck of a lot older, but he was a 26-year-old man at the time. Um, before the assassination, he actually had a plan to kidnap Lincoln. And uh, this plan was was devised because he was a Confederate sympathizer. So even though he was from Maryland and Maryland stayed loyal to the North, Booth was somebody who absolutely... Uh, felt sympathies towards the Confederate states. The Confederacy was running out of soldiers as the war was progressing. Remember, we had talked in class about how the North had so many more people than the South, and now that's really becoming an issue for the South. And one of the things that the North stopped doing during the Civil War was they stopped doing prisoner exchanges. They would not swap Confederate soldiers for Union soldiers because they realized that the more Confederate soldiers they could take out of the war, the faster this war could come to an end. But Booth had an idea here. Booth's idea was that if he were to kidnap Abraham Lincoln, the North would have to do a prisoner exchange. They would have to trade 
Confederate soldiers for the president of the United States. So he developed a plan. He found uh, fellow conspirators to join him in this. Um, on March 17th of 1865, just a few weeks after Lincoln had started his second term as president, um, Booth laid out his plan to kidnap Lincoln. They were going to capture him as he was going to a hospital of recovering Union soldiers to see a play. But at the very last second, Abraham Lincoln changed his mind and decided to go to a reception at a hotel instead. Ironically, the reception was at the very hotel that John Wilkes Booth was staying at. Um, Booth had been following Lincoln for, for quite some time. He attended Lincoln's second inauguration in March of 1865. He was on the White House lawn the week uh, that the Civil War ended when President Lincoln gave a speech. And in that speech, Lincoln talked about giving citizenship and voting rights to black Americans. And Booth was so incensed by this, so enraged by it, that he said to the people around him that this was the last speech that Lincoln would ever give. And he was right, because he now changed his plan from kidnapping Lincoln to murdering Lincoln. What he didn't realize is that he'd have an opportunity quite so quickly. Uh, because John Wilkes Booth was an actor, he had fan mail that would arrive for him at Ford's Theater. And so on that Friday morning, he went to Ford's Theater to go pick up his mail and found out that Lincoln would be attending uh, a performance of Our American Cousin that evening. This was around noon on Friday. The play was at around 8 on Friday night. In the next eight hours, Booth will come up with a plan to assassinate the president of the United States. Booth gathered together the people that had supported his kidnapping idea. So on the evening of the assassination, at around 8.45, so after the play had already started, he gathered them together and announced what the plan that they would carry out that evening would be. Booth was going to go to the Ford's Theater and assassinate Lincoln. One of his other conspirators would go to the hotel where Vice President Andrew Johnson was staying and kill him. That person ended up having uh, cold feet and did not attempt uh, an assassination of Andrew Johnson. Another of the conspirators was going to go to the home of Secretary of State William Seward um, and kill him. But Seward was recovering from a carriage accident from the week before. When he was attacked, uh, there were other members of his family that were there to take care of him, which ultimately saved Seward's life, although he was severely injured. So Booth took care of his business, though. At around 10.10, Booth arrived at Ford's Theater. Uh, he was known there, so no one thought it was out of place for him to be there. He had a stagehand hold his horse in the back. He walked up to the booth where President and Mrs. Lincoln were staying. At the exact right time, and he knew the script of the play they were watching, so he went in at 10.15, which is when there would be a line that would generate a lot of laughter. And as the crowd was erupting in laughter, that's when Booth shoots Abraham Lincoln in the back of the head. There's a very quick scuffle between Major Rathbone, who was an army officer who was attending with President Lincoln, uh, Booth ends up breaking free, jumping out of the box onto the stage, probably breaking his leg in the fall. He uh, yells from the stage, Six Semper Tyrannus, which means thus always to tyrants in Latin. And he races out the back door of the theater, grabs his horse, knocks out the guy who had been holding the horse for him, and rides off into the night. Trying to tell the story of both what happens next to Lincoln and Booth is really difficult because they're obviously going in complete opposite directions and their paths will not cross again. But we'll try it anyways. 
in the theater, it's chaos. A union doctor who was in the audience was, realizes that the president is injured and rushes up to the box to treat Lincoln. Uh, they realize that if they try to take him back to the White House to treat him, the ride back is probably going to kill him just because of the, the jostling that there would be in a carriage. So they decide instead to take him to a house right across the street, which is uh, called the Peterson House today. The only bed that was on the first floor was a relatively small bed, and Lincoln did not fit. Remember, Lincoln is a massive man. He's six foot four inches, so they had to lay him across this bed diagonally. Um, as more doctors arrive throughout the night, they all come to the same conclusion, and that is that this wound is mortal. President Lincoln is not going to survive. So the goal becomes, how do we make him as comfortable as possible in his last hours of life? Throughout the night, there are dignitaries from the government that come to Peterson House to visit President Lincoln. Family members are there. His wife is in and out of the room with him. And eventually, at 722 the next morning, President Lincoln dies. Meanwhile, Booth is riding off into the night. Uh, he meets up with one of his fellow conspirators. They gather some supplies, and they ride about 30 miles outside of Washington, D.C. through Maryland before stopping at around 4 a.m., at the house of a doctor to get Booth's leg taken a look at. Um, then from there, they take off again, and they spend the next 10 days on the run from Union soldiers. On that Saturday morning, uh, Lincoln's body is taken back to the White House where they prepare for burial. Um, at this point in time, you have to understand that wakes were actually held at the house of the person who had died. So a dead President Lincoln at the White House was not necessarily uh, an out-of-place thing. Um, there would be showings there that were both private for the family and, and close friends, as well as for the public. So people from the country would be able to enter the White House to pay their respects to President Lincoln. But while arrangements are being made for President Lincoln's funeral, Booth is still on the run. He's relying mostly on the generosity of Confederate sympathizers in Maryland to hide him in their homes or to help him hide in swamps and forests. Um, there's more than 10,000 troops, police, private detectives that are all out searching for John Wilkes Booth at this time. On the Wednesday after the assassination, uh, President Lincoln's casket is brought to the U.S. Capitol building and Lincoln lies in state uh, beneath the Capitol rotunda. His final burial was going to be in Springfield, Illinois, so they planned a funeral train to get his body back. Um, Lincoln's body would travel to cities along the way so that people across the country could pay their respects to Lincoln. Uh, the train was going to depart from Washington, D.C. on Friday, a, a week after the play, um, and have stops in Baltimore, Maryland, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, New York City, Albany, New York, Buffalo, New York, Cleveland, Columbus, Indianapolis, Michigan City, Indiana, Chicago, and eventually it would end up in Springfield. Uh, the funeral train was going to go slow, about 20 miles per hour, so that way people could line the tracks to pay their respects as the train went by as well. Um, but as President Lincoln's train is, is starting and leaving Washington, D.C. on that Friday, John Wilkes Booth is still in Maryland and trying to figure out how he's going to cross the Potomac River. Now, you've if you've never seen the Potomac River, it is massive. Those of you that go on the D.C. trip this year, when we go to Mount Vernon, you will see that the Potomac River is a massively wide river. So they've got to they've come up with a plan to get across the river and into Virginia. 
Eventually, Booth and his conspirator, uh, David Harold, make it to Virginia, and they end up hiding out at a tobacco farm. At about the same time that Lincoln's funeral train arrives in Albany, New York, and he's being moved for the public viewing at Albany's Old State Capitol building, the Union troops find John Wilkes Booth at this tobacco farm. He and his conspirator, David Harold, have locked themselves inside of a tobacco barn, and the Union troops surround it, and they threaten to set fire to it, and they warn Booth that they're going to set fire to it. And this scares David Harold, his conspirator, into surrendering, but John Wilkes Booth will not surrender. The Union troops do set fire to the tobacco barn, and even though the orders that were given were they wanted Booth taken alive, one Union soldier uh, is so upset with John Wilkes Booth, and he can see into this barn, he can see John Wilkes Booth, and he has a clear shot, and he takes it, and he shoots John Wilkes Booth in the back of the head. Um, John Wilkes Booth survives the initial shot, but within a matter of hours, he'll die of that gunshot wound. While Booth was on the run, most of his co-conspirators had been found and arrested. Even before Lincoln's body had made it to its final resting place in Springfield, military trials had already begun for other members of the Booth conspiracy. Almost three weeks after his assassination, President Lincoln and his son Willie, who had died three years earlier, were finally buried at Oak Ridge Cemetery in Springfield. About two months after Lincoln's burial, the trials were finished. Four of the conspirators were found guilty and executed on July 7, 1865. Three conspirators were convicted and given life sentences, and one was convicted and sentenced to six years for aiding Booth by holding his horse. And while it seems like this would be the end for President Lincoln, we'll see him again in the future because 11 years after his death, grave robbers tried to steal his body. But that's a tale for a different episode. Most presidential historians put Lincoln as one of the greatest presidents. What would have happened if he had served his full second term is something we can only imagine. Could Lincoln have helped Black Americans feel more fully integrated into our country? Maybe. Could he have helped reconstruction of the country go smoother than it did? We'll never know. What we do know is that America was forever changed that Friday night when John Wilkes Booth assassinated Abraham Lincoln. This is a moment of history we'll never get to in class, but you should really know.